it has never been easier for a brand to basically show who they are, what they stand for, right? Like in these times with social media, where basically your Instagram profile shouldn't be about selling, right? It should be about who you are, what you stand for, about your values and so on. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hey, retail friends. We have another fantastic conversation today, this time with Marcel Hollerbach, who's the CMO of Products Up. And Products Up is how do I put it? They're a content company. They partner with top brands and retailers, search engines, marketplaces, social media platforms to really make content experiences better across all of these different touch points. As we continue to experience this unprecedented shift to digital, content, he believes, is going to be more important than ever, frankly. So we got into his take on what's happening in this area of the retail industry, what trends he thinks will rise to the top in the new year, and most importantly, what brands and retailers of all sizes can do, even the Main Street folks, to get their content marketing strategy in shape. So with that, hope you get some great ideas. I would get a notebook ready because he has some great takeaways for all of you. Marcel, thanks so much for being on the show. Great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I always like to start our conversations with a bit of, I don't want to speak for my guests, basically about who they are, their background. So why don't you share a little bit about Products Up and most importantly, the work that you do as CMO? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Marcel. I'm the CMO at Products Up. We are a Berlin-based company. I'm also in Berlin right now. My personal background is pretty much engineering. I studied IT business and then started uh, the first company in the marketing space in 2007, which was a video streaming company that we later on merged with an ad network called Edconian out of uh, Santa Monica. And having done a lot of work in there, we figured that there were Aside from the classic display ads and native advertising opportunities that were coming up, there was a lot of opportunity for brands and retailers to get their product visible on channels like Google Shopping, for example, and also later on Facebook dynamic ads and so on. And that's why we started in 2010 a company called Products Up, where we as an agency basically in the first three years approached brands and retailers and supported them in getting their catalog listed on Google Shopping as a first use case. And while doing that, we saw that these brands and retailers also had a lot of challenges not going on Google Shopping, but basically figuring out how to get the products listed on the whole ecosystem that they were engaging with, like affiliate networks and comparison shopping sites and retargeting networks and so on. And there was the point where we decided to basically pivot the company and create a software as a service offering, the products up commerce marketing platform, as we call it today and started going out with that in 2014. And uh, since then, the company has grown to roughly 150 people. We're doing work, uh, we're being used by companies like Ikea and Sephora and Hewlett Packard, basically for for feed management, marketplace integration and product content syndication. Yeah, that's the company. And what I do there, I'm responsible for our demand generation and also a good amount of our partnerships that we do 
So obviously having close relationships with our platform partners like Amazon and Facebook and Google is very important, but we also work quite a lot with e-commerce systems and PIM systems like Shopify, for example, and BigCommerce and Akinio and these kind of companies. So basically everything that is, I'm doing a lot of things around generating demand for our organization, but also making sure that our brand looks cool. <laughs> yeah. As a fellow marketer and content person, I think we can find a lot to talk about, but I think the broader context around the role of content, right, I think shouldn't be understated. And I've noticed that as more consumers have been relying on Amazon, on marketplaces, as retailers have kind of implemented their own marketplace models, the Walmarts and the Targets of the world, that consistency of content is so crucial. So I would love your take on, or I guess your perspective on the kind of conversations that you're having right now with retailers and brands, because I could imagine with like the shift to digital and how companies are really trying to prioritize that consistency and quality of content. I mean, are you seeing a lot of activity in this area? Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that we do when we introduce products up to potential clients, but also to partners is we, we tend to tell a little story, which we call any given Monday. And that story has like three main protagonists. One is consumer challenge. She's looking for products. The second one is marketing Mary. She's working at a brand basically and creating demand for that brand. And the third one is our CMO executive Edward. And when I got first introduced to the story by our team, basically, someone wrote under the name Executive Edward, he's trying to keep the lights on. And I had to laugh so much when I read this, because I think this pretty much sums it up what a lot of the retailers and brands are struggling with right now. It's they're just overwhelmed by basically the opportunity and the complexity that is out there. And what I mean with that is, you talked about content. And when we think about content, one thing that is super relevant these days is you have to contextualize your product content, right? Because a listing on Google is different from a listing on, let's say, Instagram, and it will be massively different from a listing that you would find on TikTok. On TikTok, when we think about content, this might even have to do with, with video content, right? And But this is not the only challenge. The sophisticated marketeer that we work with at a brand or a retailer, they even have figured out that it's not just contextualizing for the channel, but it's really, it's contextualizing for the channel and then also speaking to the various audiences that are on the channel. If you look at something that Facebook has launched with Facebook shops, for example, the Facebook shop that you might see could look very different from the shop that I'm seeing, right? So it's even different audiences on even channel and this every channel. And this makes it from our point of view, almost an exponential challenge that the brands and the retailers need to face these days. And I think a lot of the conversations that we're having with them is around how to deal with this exponential complexity while not missing out on new opportunities that are emerging every once in a while. Yeah, I think those are some really good points because it's the complexity of the global nature of these platforms, right? Like every person, depending on the territory, may have a bit of a different experience and capabilities may be only available in certain markets. But also to your point around the nuances across platforms. I'm glad you brought up TikTok because that's definitely a new commerce channel that we're keeping an eye on. So do you find that brands and retailers overall are very much in tune with these complexities and are largely just looking for 
assistance and guidance on on how to best manage that? Or does your team kind of have to do a bit of teaching around how much work really goes into developing and refining content so it is optimized for all of these digital experiences? Like I'm trying to figure out if people just kind of think it's like a catch-all or if they really understand how how specific these different experiences really are. Yeah. As always in life, it really depends on who you talk to. And we see brands that are basically coming from a world that where they were used to shipping pallets, right? And they're making their first baby steps into e-commerce right now. And on the other end of the spectrum, we're seeing retailers and brands that are born in the cloud, basically super tech savvy. Companies like Farfetch, for example, or Netta Porter, right? That are operating at, at a very high level of sophistication where there's sometimes them even teaching us some new tricks, right? So this, the spectrum is really broad. I can say what they're all struggling with is basically keeping up with the speed in the market. And I would say we've definitely seen an increase of speed over the last years. And we see that where a customer typically was dealing with, let's say, a handful of different relevant marketing channels for them five, six years ago, we have it now that in the last 24 months, almost every quarter there was an emergence of almost a new category of channels coming in, right? So this year, for example, social commerce is something that was a lot talked about with Instagram getting native checkout capabilities and all these kind of things. And it feels like the frequency in which social networks, search engines, and all these big platforms out there in marketplaces in which they are releasing new features and new opportunities to advertise and to get your product in front of the consumer, that is increasing. And obviously there we try to stay on top of that ourselves as a company, right? And then also do a good amount of handholding with some of the clients in order to explain them what the opportunity is and why they might want to engage with that channel. And that's also what, what we offer, obviously, is we try to also back it up with numbers, right? So we try to understand what products are actually working on which channels and then do an educated decision and an educated recommendation where they should go with a catalog. That's great. Some interesting stuff here. So obviously, given the current climate, the context of how we're all living, right? I mean, some of us are dealing with new spikes in COVID cases. Some are now navigating a a new round of lockdowns and shelter in place orders. So I have to ask, I feel like, I mean, obviously a lot of your work is stemmed in digital. I assume we're going to be seeing retailers continue to invest in their digital experiences. And now we're kind of, we're recording this kind of getting into holiday mode here. How do you think that the season and ultimately consumer behaviors will shake out as we kind of get into the new year? Because I feel like I'm in New Jersey and I started to see a lot more people just wanting to get out and a lot more brick and mortar activity than say a few weeks or a couple of months ago when people were still a little worried. So curious what you're seeing. I know you're on um, you know, the other side of the world, basically. So curious to see what, what's happening in, in your world. Right. So first of all, this lockdown feels so much harder than the last one. And, right. Uh, <laughs> you get a taste of freedom and then you have to go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. At last time, it was like the weather was getting better and the numbers were getting better. And now it's just like dark at 5 p.m. and <laughs> it's raining. And so, yeah. But I think 
what we were able to prove and to do as a company, what was amazing to see is that we basically kept the lights on, right, for our brands and retailers in April when they had to close their stores. So basically all of their revenue shifted to online in that time. And I wouldn't say that we are a company that massively benefited from it because on the other side, we also had some segments of clients like from the travel industry, right, that were hit quite massively with COVID. But we were definitely able to see an uprise in, um, in e-commerce activity. And I believe this is here to stay. Yeah? So I'm not saying that the high street is dead, not at all. In fact, we ran a campaign last year after a lot of research with our clients, which we called Save the High Street. And we learned through a lot of conversations with brands and retailers that operate brick and mortar stores that online and offline massively influences each other, right? So this old myth of e-commerce killing the high street or the brick and mortar store, I think it's just not true, right? So we know that a lot of research these days starts online and then actually is completed in an offline store in the, in the brick and mortar store. And what we're also seeing is the, the brands and retailers who have the best results here are the ones who understood that the transaction itself can become really digital, right? In the end, you click a button and you order a product, but the experience around that and the getting to know the product and the research can be massively influenced by your offline experience. So what does that mean when shops close? Obviously, I think, as I said earlier, a lot of transactions are shifting towards online. But what we've seen with a couple of clients is that they try to figure out concepts on how they still can keep a good amount of engagement with their clients, right? And let them engage with their brand. So for example, there's Harrods in the UK that basically created pop-up stores in order to give people comfort still shopping with Harrods, right? So they, they wanted to create an um, experience where you're out of the large department store and you are having small localized pop-up stores where you have a really nice treatment by, by the local staff, basically, and almost like a boutique experience of shopping. And that was perceived really, really well from shoppers. And also, I think a couple of months ago, Walmart came up with this idea of the drive-in cinemas, just giving up their parking space in front of the closed shops and opening up a cinema that people could go to, to still at least engage a little bit with the brand Walmart and do the rest of the shopping, obviously, online. So I think as more and more is shifting towards e-commerce, it still doesn't mean that the high street is dead, but the high street concepts, they need to change a little bit in order to reflect the, let's say, new normal that we're going into. Yeah, some fantastic points. And I love how you brought up two different models or approaches for looking at in-person interaction, right? It's revised format and experience to make people feel safer, a bit more at ease about being in a store environment. And then the more immersive, I guess, fun brand marketing, right? Which is kind of what Walmart did with their, their drive-in experience because there's that brand connection, that brand recall, but it's in context of something completely different from a behavioral standpoint. And I think it lends itself really nicely to, I feel like what 
we typically see around the holiday time, right? Where people are really pulling out the stops, they're implementing really creative campaigns, doing these very immersive, beautiful pop-up shops. I mean, we've seen so many from companies like Target to Chanel over the years. And technology is usually the connector or the driving force for these experiences. So I'm curious where you think this notion of experiential retail is going. I mean, not just for a holiday, but maybe even beyond, because I I almost feel like whenever there's a big trend or tech shift during the holidays, it kind of helps set the stage for the new year. So where do you think that's headed? It's a good question. So I think the chance that retailers and brands now have is to, without boundaries, basically rethink the way they have been doing business, right? Because they're forced to. And just an assumption, but looking into some of the, let's say, organizations behind some of those decade-old established retailers would probably show that it's not that easy to implement out-of-the-box and super creative concepts. But as always in the times of crisis, this is the moment where this is needed, right? And I think this is a great chance for people within those organizations to basically come up with these crazy ideas like a drive-in cinema like pop-up stores and all of these kind of stuff. Or like, I think it was Home Depot when they basically had a limitation on how many people they could let into their stores. They just hired additional people in the stores that would deliver the goods to people on the parking space. Yeah, And all these kind of creative things that were happening. And on top of that, I see that there's also a trend on how like department stores in general are being reshaped One of my favorite examples is the Macy's store in downtown New York, where you enter that Macy's store and it basically feels like a huge trade show rather than a store, right? You have all of these different brands in there that have their little space and they can represent themselves like they want with their experiences and everything. And it's it's a whole different shopping experience. And I expect to see more of that uh, going forward. Yeah, I definitely do think a lot of it depends on a few things. So you brought up in a previous answer, the size or maybe even maturity of the company. But I think there's also category level nuance. So you brought up Home Depot, like maybe that consumer is a bit more utility driven. And if they are doing like high end service, for example, it's more through the lens of like, here's how you do your DIY product. And here's like the technology that kind of connects you to that content. Whereas something like, say, an Ulta, they kind of scaled back the amount of people in stores, but they're offering added services to make it more immersive. Or like Mac, for example, is doing a lot of really creative things with AI virtual try-on. So I I guess it really does depend on the category and also your consumer, what their needs are through that decision-making process. But I mean, what else do you think kind of plays into this? I mean, obviously you're you're part of a content company. So, I mean, content is really a a driving force as well. So, I mean, any other considerations from that standpoint? I think one of my personal passion areas is this whole domain around video. And I think this is an opportunity that is pretty much untapped for most of the brands and retailers that we see but it will increase in in relevancy massively. And I think already next year, as you see more social apps like Snap, for example, or Pinterest or Instagram with Reels and on the forefront of it, TikTok are moving to 100% video, right? 
And I think if you want to still stay engaged with a younger audience that is using these products, or if you just want to see it as an opportunity to basically get to this audience if you don't have it yet, video is the way to go. And thinking about or bringing in creative talent that can help you to basically come up with great video content formats is definitely something I would advise to start playing around with that. And aside from that, then also figuring out scalable ways on how to create video, right? If you think about wanting to use video for retargeting, for example, then you need a video for every product that you have. So there's all kinds of stuff I think that will start happening around that. And as always, if you are an early mover in a channel, this translates into a low competition and this in the end means high click rates and low click prices, right? So a great opportunity to capture market share in a low competitive environment. Okay, now we're getting into content, which is my wheelhouse. I can I can dig into this a little bit more. So I love that you bring up the need for creating more content, especially video, and how you need the right talent for that. Because I know one thing that I've been hearing a lot about, especially as these new products that social platforms are creating, especially with TikTok versus Instagram Reels, is that even these individual services or features are so nuanced. So like some people are saying, oh, like the TikTok experience is so differentiated and so unique that it's like not recommended that you flat out reuse content from TikTok for other channels or vice versa. So that, that's a lot of time and investment, right? I mean, that's a big strategy to go through. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm 36, yeah. And it, when I first downloaded TikTok, I think it took me four weeks until I really understood. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I, I still don't think I understand. What is this, right? But then <laughs> yeah. I, I started reading the numbers and so on. And I read that like there are 1.5 billion installs now and roughly 600 million monthly active users. And this is just too big to ignore it, right? So obviously this is a channel that we're closely uh, paying attention and starting to figure out how to, yeah, how to leverage it for brands and retailers. So is it fair to say, since we've kind of talked about the shift to e-commerce throughout our conversation, that there's going to be a greater need to emphasize investments in online, is content kind of going to be the driver or the key tipping point for differentiation? Because I feel like we're way past the make finding products easy, make purchasing products easy. I mean, is content and how it's integrated into the e-commerce experience and brand experience really going to be crucial moving forward? I believe this is 100% key to basically win in e-commerce. And the sophisticated retailers that we work with, they all have studios and photographers and videographers and copywriters, right, who spend an enormous amount of time and money on basically creating product content that is way beyond just like having a 500 pixels time 500 pixel straight shot product image, right? So today, if you are in fashion, you need high quality, high resolution images. You need that, you need shots from different angles. Ideally, you have information available on how the size relates to basically other fashion products. So people order the right size. Ideally, you have video, right? If you are in a furniture environment, we already see great applications, especially with the new releases of the iPhones with augmented reality content, where you can basically take a sofa and you can place it in your, in your room already and see how it, how it looks in there. And then also the ad copy, right? That's written or the product descriptions. It's 
When you look at Amazon, they have something um, that's called A plus content, where you have so much more ways as a brand or retailer to basically present your product. And I think especially when we are in a situation like right now, when shopping physically is not as easy anymore as it used to be, it is absolutely key that the consumer can find out as much as possible about a product that they can, right, to have confidence with the purchase. Yeah. And it's also the opportunity for brands to show a little bit more to who they are and and who their people are, right? Because I feel like underneath the content umbrella, there's user-generated content, there's influencer content. Now we're hearing store associates are the new influencers, especially because, I mean, the influencer marketing is a whole other conversation, but there's some conflict from the consumer's perspective of like, okay, these people are monetizing everything. So like, do I even trust them anymore? But there are these different branches of the content tree, so to speak. So it really presents an opportunity, I think, to test and learn as well, which can feel overwhelming, but also a lot of fun. Absolutely. I love that you brought up also like the personal touch and learning more about the brands. I think it has never been easier for a brand to basically show who they are, what they stand for, right? Like in these times with social media, where basically your Instagram profile shouldn't be about selling, right? It should be about who you are, what you stand for, about your values and so on. And then you have the transaction channels like Amazon and so on, where it's really about the purchase, right? And understanding these nuances of these channels is, I think, super critical in order to create a consistent story, but also build a lot of consumer trust. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are so many great opportunities to show that creativity, show that personality. But I know one thing I did want to speak to you about is as brands have kind of been democratized, right? Like they're closer to consumers than ever before. Their products are closer. Everything's up for grabs, right? Which means so is this branded content that people are working so hard to create, right? It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of money to create good content. And I know there have been cases on Amazon, especially where it's that whole, like what it looks like online versus what it looks like in person, right? Like this isn't what I ordered. Like I looked for, you know, this beautiful dress and I have a paper bag basically. <laughs> so, I mean, do you have a take on on how brands can kind of keep the integrity of their content in check, better protect their content. It's okay if this is like a rabbit hole, we can kind of nix this conversation for another time. But I feel like if we're putting this investment in, we're prioritizing it in so many ways. I mean, they're going to have to pay more attention to this content theft and I guess pirating, right? I mean, if an account is like stealing this content and sharing it as their own, like it's theft. Yeah. I mean, I think pirating is again, a whole different story, but a huge problem at the same time. Content theft can start and it can cause problems as simple as having duplicate content on Google, right? When the, basically uh, when Google doesn't know who's the actual owner of the content and then you have problems with your SEO rankings and so on. But obviously you also want to make sure it's not used in the wrong context. There's a couple of things that I believe are quite interesting when you're a brand and a content owner that you can do in order to have some control over what's happening. And one initiative is from Google with the Google Manufacturer Center. This is a relatively unknown product to a lot of people, but uh, what it allows brands to do is to basically upload the single truth of their product and how they want Google to represent it, right? So you can upload your product information with images and video and everything that you have, 
And then Google will always fall back basically to that version if they find content represented in a different way anywhere else. And I think this is a great thing to do. Also, what we typically would advise is to have some sorts of, of compliance check especially for marketplaces that are rather easy with governance, like Amazon, right? It's a whole different story in Walmart, but on Amazon, it's rather simple to get products listed and, and also use duplicated content or content from someone else. And there's great tools out there as well that will check for your brand, basically find listings, and then also check whether they are in line with your requirements and the way how you would want to communicate your brand, and then you can take action. And again, it depends... In the end, it always depends on the channel and where you basically allow your products to be sold. If you look at a company like Walmart, they are following a, a very different strategy than Amazon, for example, where basically everyone can go there and sell. Walmart is really about ensuring high quality, right? No replicas. When they allow marketplace seller, sellers there, they do a high due diligence on them and really check if they are basically compliant with everything and provide a good customer experience. And I would hope for other marketplaces to go down the same route, A, to protect the brands, but mainly to protect also the consumer, right? So they can have confidence that when they shop something, it's really um, of high value. Love that. Some really great points there, Marcy. I know it's kind of a bit of a rabbit hole. There are probably so many follow-up questions we can get into there, but I think you provided a good starting point of key considerations, especially with Google, right? I mean, they're always updating their algorithms and how they rank content based on the trustworthiness and the relevance of content, how authoritative you are. I mean, I know we kind of got into images with Google Shopping specifically, but if they're going to continue to go down that path, I mean, you have to maintain the integrity of your brand and the integrity of your content. So a lot to chew on there. And I know we're already at almost at the top of our time together, but I do want to kind of boil down our conversation into a few key takeaways or action items for our audience, I guess, zeroing in on target uh, content specifically, because we've kind of confirmed that it is such a critical driving force for in-store and digital experiences. So it's obviously not going away. So, I mean, do you have any closing recommendations or action items for the folks listening now that maybe are trying to figure out their content strategy, finalizing investments. I mean, we're kind of getting into this, let's build our plan for the new year mindset. So anything else that you want to share to really call out and get our listeners to zero in on? Sure. I guess I would separate it into two different groups. Let's start with the group of brands that are probably just taking the first steps into e-commerce, right? And trying to figure out basically how direct-to-consumer works. For them, I would recommend to wrap their head around what we call social commerce by now, which is channels like Facebook shops, for example, or a checkout on Instagram, where it's relatively simple for a brand to start selling online direct-to-consumer and then think about what kind of content would be needed on a network like that, right? So what kind of content would I need to resonate with an audience on Facebook shops or an, an audience on Instagram. It's probably pretty image heavy, right? Glossy shots and so on. So that, that would be my recommendation for brands that really are doing their first baby steps into D2C. And then looking at the other end of the spectrum, like the tech savvy, cloud native retailers and brands that are already quite advanced, for them I would recommend to wrap your head around video 
and especially also have an eye on what's happening on channels like TikTok in combination with video and really try to understand basically who's the audience there, how can I engage with them, and what kind of technologies do I need to bring in in order to make that scalable. And yeah, so I, I would assume to see great things from TikTok next year coming up. And as always, if you're amongst the first, right, to to figure out how such a channel works and to really leverage it, there's a, a great opportunity to get market share before others do. Awesome, Marcel. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. We'd love to have you back on the show to dig a little bit deeper into some of the topics that we discussed today. But uh, first, thank you again so much for uh, taking the time out to chat with me today. It was really a fascinating conversation. Thanks. You're welcome. And happy to be back anytime. Excellent. And as always, thanks to everyone out there listening for taking the time out to join us for this chat around all things content. If you have a follow-up question for Marcel, we would love to facilitate those follow-up conversations. Just drop us a line on Twitter at our touch points. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information about products up. And as always, if you haven't subscribed already, what are you doing? Um, we're available on all podcast players, so please subscribe. You'll get alerts when new episodes are are available so you can get in on the scoop on all of the latest trends and tech impacting retail. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up. <laughs>